morning, afternoon, or night, whenever you decide to roll out of bed, we're your hosts, Kristen Hoyles and Sarah Yako. And welcome to our podcast, Waking Up with Millennials. This week, Kristen speaks with Ryan Jones. He's an assembly technician at Boeing in Crown Point, Indiana. So Kristen, what about Ryan drew you to his story? What I find interesting about Ryan is he didn't take the path that we took after high school. And he has found quite a bit of success by not going to college, but entering directly into the workforce. What I'm hoping that listeners take away from this interview is that you don't have to go through the same path that your peers are also taking. You can figure out a way to live a life that is meaningful and purposeful without necessarily going the college route. The workforce offers so much opportunity. So let's just dive into this interview. I am Ryan Jones fiance going on two years now unfortunately thanks to covid be getting married soon and looking very forward to it dog dad to our little mutt bobby that we love so much that we rescued he has a pit terrier mix he's a handful but but he's a very loving dog i guess my job title would be assembly technician at boeing i work in a small shop here in in crown point northwest indiana and we repair and overhaul aircraft brakes and wheels, private planes, not the commercial ones that, you know, you and I ride on, fly on. We do, for example, like John Deere's planes or the Indianapolis Colts private planes. We do their planes as well. Growing up, like what was something that you wanted to be when, when you were younger? How were you picturing your life? I would say, of course, probably like a million little boys growing up. I wanted to be a professional athlete. And then when I realized, you know, you have to be a little taller than five foot eight and have some talent, that kind of got in the way. <laughs> that kind of got in the way of that. But I always loved sports so much. I had aspirations of being a sports broadcaster when I was really young, and that still to this day sounds like something that I would have enjoyed doing, that I could have done, and maybe I should have tried a lot harder than I did at pursuing that. What really deterred me from it, I think, was the potential for actually making a decent living in it. Most, I mean, the people you see on TV, those are 90% ex-athletes, and it's very hard to get into. Not to knock anyone that does this, but I, I didn't see it going very well or me enjoying doing local high school basketball games. Yeah. So, so and then I know that's how you start. I, mm-hmm. I get that. But... I, I just didn't see the odds being in my favor with that. And so okay. that's probably why I didn't pursue it. But looking back, you always kind of say, well, maybe I should have gone for it, but but I didn't. <laughs> what was your experience throughout high school? Did you feel like you received the skills that you needed to be su- successful like you are now? Well, I would say probably not. Unfortunately, I th- I think I'm probably not that high school didn't prepare me all that well because I feel like there's so much trivial information that you learn in high school that doesn't really apply to your everyday life as far as balancing finances and things that you encounter in the workplace and in everyday life. 
I don't know. I don't have any recommendations about how high school could could do a better job. I mean, to be honest, just but, having education on finances. I don't know. Oh my god! I feel like I've picked up a few things along the way, but mm-hmm. in terms of like, I never took a class about like really about balancing your checkbook or yeah. saving, uh, creating like a savings or a budget. Like I didn't know any of that. I was like, money right. to be spent. And <laughs> yes. See, I, I luckily for me, I had, I mean, my parents were, were very big and, you know, save your money. My grandparents are actually very huge in that too. My grandfather, he passed away when I was about 10 years old, but my grandma kept on telling me, you know, your, your grandpa always said, the only thing you truly own is your name. So to keep your credit score, oh, to I keep love your, that. I know, right. <laughs> to keep your credit score good, to make sure you're in good standings with, you know, if you were to quit a job, you always give that two weeks notice. You just always, your name is all you have, is all you truly own kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, I love that. And I feel like, I feel like that could be applied in so many different avenues where it's like mm-hmm. how you develop relationships with people. Like, yes, yeah. Um, a lot of people say that you shouldn't put too much stock in your reputation, but really your reputation and how people perceive you is, is really going to dictate how you navigate in the world. Yes. Yes. I mean, it's, it's huge. If you're in a certain profession, I mean, people will hear Ryan Jones, if he is doing something across town, that's in that same profession, they'll hear something good or bad. And yeah, your name carries a huge weight in your life. So yeah, that was, it was really big for me to go back to the balancing of the checkbook or finances or whatever. You know, grandparents and parents always told me, you know, put away as much as you can. If your if your job offers you that they'll match retirement, you put as much in there as you possibly can. It'll hurt, you know, here and now, but once you're used to it, it's just all accumulating for you and and that'll be there. So I was always taught at a very young age to save, save, save and and to be very to be financially responsible as as much as I possibly could. What were some of the jobs that you've had along the way? Coming out of high school, I had no clue what I wanted to do. I might be in the minority of people that you interview because I did not go to college. I knew that I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't have a clue. And I wasn't sure knowing that, that I'd have the discipline to be a good college student, to go to class, uh, to do the things I needed to do. And so I honestly, I remember telling my dad, I said, I don't know if I want to waste your money or my money. Oh, see, that's so good. I did not have the foresight. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, and I may just party for three. I may party and it might not go well. So I just don't think it's a good idea. So actually auctioneering was in my family and my grandfather was an auctioneer. My uncle is an auctioneer. I went to auctioneer school which was a two-week school. When I say auctioneer school, it was a two-week seminar class. And I enjoyed it. And unfortunately, this thing called the internet has really put a damper on the old-school auto auctions. A lot of them are closing down because so many vehicles are sold online. I mean, it's just the old-school auto auctions are not as prevalent as they used to be. So I got out of that and then actually started to work for Boeing when I was about 20 years old and enjoyed it unfortunately at that time the the pay just wasn't where i needed it to be and i worked there for about four or five years at that time i was still living at home with my parents 
And by that time I was saying, I need to move out of my parents' house. And so there was a job at a company called Monosol. They're located in Portage, Indiana. They make water-soluble film that goes on the pods for your dishwasher and washing machine. They make that film that dissolves in the water. Okay. But that job had a horrible schedule. (laughs) And I realized I get really tired sleeping for four hours in the afternoon and then going to work all night. And so then I left there, went to work at a hospital in South Bend because that, that hospital actually used the same computer system that I used at Boeing, that first job. Um, okay, so you're picking up skills along the way that are allowing you to get jobs yes. that are just a little bit more conducive to the life you're wanting to live. Yes. The first job at Boeing, I worked in inventory in the parts department where we would order parts for the brakes and wheels of the aircraft. When I worked at the hospital, I used that same inventory system to order instruments for surgeries. And it was just, I was ordering a scalpel instead of a caliper for a brake or something or for a wheel. Yeah. But it was the same system. And so it was very, I wouldn't say easy to pick up, but it was, it was, I knew what I was doing with the computer system going in. Yeah. Yeah. And then I moved back and got my job back at Boeing because I met my fiance, Lisa, and I'm back at Boeing and everything's going well. Okay, but you left out a pretty big part of that. You okay. owned some homes in that process. I have. Every time I've every time I've moved, it's been a house. I have never rented, never had an apartment in my life. You've never rented? I never wanted to rent. That's amazing. I never, which is part of the reason, which is part of the reason why I lived with my parents till I was 25. Because I just said, well, I had a great relationship with my parents, which is awesome. Yeah. And I was, you know, while I had this great relationship with my parents, I, I don't want to rent. I don't, I didn't want to live in an apartment. I just, I didn't. And once I had the money, I would notice, gosh, you know, this varies depending on the market you live in, of course. So I can't speak for everyone, yeah. but where I lived it's it's hard to get a one bedroom apartment for less than $700 a month. Yeah. And my first house was a decent house and the mortgage was within a couple hundred dollars. It was very close. Yeah. And so in my mind, why am I going to rent when I can own a house and it be very comparable in my mortgage? And that was just the way I looked at it. You own a house you're not paying someone else's mortgage yeah. with your rent. It's it's yours. Um, you made so was, seriously like all the right moves. <laughs> I'm, I don't know if you're supposed to buy three homes before you're 30, because that's what I did because I moved around. But and I probably also got lucky because at the times where I was doing it, the, the economy was pretty good. And I didn't lose money on any of these houses. As a matter of fact, I made some money off the second one, which was nice, of course. And that's luck with the economy being what it was yeah but yeah I I never wanted to rent I was able to make the mortgage work and everything at all like I said it was only it was very close to being what you would pay for a small apartment and I I didn't want that and I also learned throughout this that something people um misconception is that you have to have this huge down payment to have a house. Like, oh, I can't afford a house. I need to put this huge down payment down. And I learned that 
that's really not true. <laughs> it wasn't for me anyways. Yeah. It's, it's really not. I mean, sure. The more you can put down, the less your mortgage is. If you put, if you're able to put down 20%, you don't have to pay PMI, uh, mortgage insurance, yeah. which ends up being usually up between a hundred and $200 a month on your mortgage. But I put down the minimum that I could put down on all three houses that I bought. The minimum amount that they would let me. Yeah. Because I learned a general rule of thumb. And I mean, you can do this in like any kind of mortgage calculator you can find online. And it varies depending on market, of course, and insurance taxes. For every thousand dollars you put down on a house, it will decrease your mortgage payment by about five dollars a month. Oh. oh. Put down five put down five five thousand dollars more on a house, that's about twenty, twenty-five bucks a month. Yeah. And the way I would look at that stuff was I'd rather have five thousand dollars in the bank than save twenty-five bucks off my mortgage a month. Yeah. And that's that's the way I looked at it. And something that my dad also told me was you know, if you're wanting to put $5,000 or $10,000 down to make your mortgage go down $50 or so, if things are that close where $50 is going to make or break it for you, you probably shouldn't be doing that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good point. That's a fair yeah, point. So. Okay. So you've, you went from starting at, at auctioneering to Boeing yes. to Monos. And then with another company ordering parts for surgeries. Correct. And now you're back at Boeing. Yes. And with <laughs> a fiance. Yes. And a dog. And a dog, yes. Now that you have all of these different factors coming into play, your fiance is a big family person because she's one of my best friends. So yes. what would you say is your purpose or your calling as I've grown. And as, since I met Lisa, I met Lisa, I didn't meet Lisa until I was 28. So I was a very, I would say I was a very selfish person. Unfortunately, when I was single, the world was about me and that's, I lived by myself in three houses. I had, you know, I, I liked my alone time. I liked my, you know, sitting down, have, having a beer, watching a game every night because that's what I could do or go out and do this and that. Now that I've been with Lisa, meeting her, appreciating the closeness of someone and her family. She has a very close family. I would say my calling is to be the best future husband I can be for her, to be the best father for our future, future children. And she has taught me to be very selfless. Not everything's about me. Sometimes you have to give and take. And I've learned that it, it's, it's been a, I wouldn't say it's been a struggle, but there's been a learning curve. It's been a, which I'm sure is the case in all relationships to accept things that you're not used to. And I've done that a lot with, with, with her, with us. And yeah, I live for us to make sure that we're financially secure, emotionally secure, you know, we, that we have a good, that we have a good life. I feel like that's my calling. I love that. You said that you had a really supportive family. Can you talk about them a little bit and some of the wisdom that they passed on to you and what you're hoping to emulate from their example? Yes. Uh, my grandmother 
growing up was huge, huge. Um, I lived with my mother until I was about seven years old. Then I moved in with my dad and my stepmom at that time. But my grandma and grandpa really raised me up until I was seven years old. And I moved in with my dad and my stepmom. Grandma and grandpa, of course, are very old school. Manners were huge, huge. I learned not to put my elbows on the table when I was like three. And it, I mean, it was just simple, simple stuff like that. And yeah. please and thank you and those kind of things. And those kind of things are still just, it's weird. You know, I'll be at dinner with somebody. I'll, I'll notice the elbows on the table. I'm not going to say anything to somebody, but it's, it's in my mind. It's just, oh, okay. I, I see it right away. Yeah. But they were, they were great. They were so there for me, just taught me, they, they really uh, molded me growing up as a young kid. Then moving in with my dad and my stepmom, my stepmom and I, we butted heads so hard from till I was probably, oh gosh, till I was in high school probably. And then I just really? realized, oh, we butted heads big time because she, she laid down the law. I mean, she really did. It was, she was a very strict disciplinarian. I got grounded a lot, a lot, and not for anything terrible. Grades I would get grounded for. I learned not to lie the hard way. My mom would ground me from TV. And of course, you remember the old TVs. They're not, not the flat screens now, but yeah. the old tube TVs that if they were on and you put your hand on the screen, it would be warm. Well, I would watch a TV when I was grounded and turn it off when she came in. She'd say, Ryan, were you watching TV? No, no, I wasn't. She'd walk <laughs> up to the TV. She'd walk up to the TV, put her hand on it and say, Ryan, last chance. I didn't know what she was doing. No, no, I wasn't watching TV. There's another week. <laughs> okay, great. That's so good. But we but had a good matriarch in the family. That's so Yes, awesome. and and she was, and she 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 is. And so it took up until I was in high school to, to get past the awkward, her name's Misty, to get past calling her Misty to Ma Misty, kind of play with that. You didn't really feel comfortable yet to just calling her mom because she was my mom. And I understood why she was so hard on me. And she was also very big in, you know, saving your money, being responsible for your actions. She was, she was who made me the man I am more than anybody. I'd say it would be my, my mom. So, yeah. What piece of wisdom would you pass along to somebody who's navigating the turbulent time between childhood and adulthood? I would say be financially responsible. <laughs> Save your money as much as you can. I know that first job you get that pays well, you think you got it made, you can go out and buy a new car, you could buy this, you could buy that. And, and to a point, you should treat yourself. You should enjoy yourself. You're working hard, but always keep that buffer in your checking account. Find a number that you're comfortable with and say, okay, I never want to be below this and always keep that and probably be a couple hundred over that. I was always super conservative, super conservative, where if I didn't want to be below, I'll just pick a number, $1,000 in an account. I usually wouldn't be below 1300 in that account just because it would make me nervous getting anywhere near that. So treat 
treat your money, treat your finances like like they're they're everything because in in many cases they are. As we went over earlier, you know your your name, your financial. I mean that's that's huge for you. That's your credit is whether or not you can buy a house, whether or not you can buy a car. Yeah, those are all things that I would just advise to people just to be just be smart with your money because you can get yourself in a world of hurt. I unfortunately know people that weren't smart with their money and, and they're still trying to dig themselves out of a hole because as soon as you mess with that credit score, it's hard to get it back. It really is. And it'll follow you for a long time. Yeah, it's currently following me. So. <laughs> Let's go back to when you decided not to go to college. Were there any hesitations with that? What? Because I, what I hate is how much college is sort of pushed on people. It's like, it's like the inevitable route that you're supposed to take after you go to high school is to go straight to college. And that did not serve me well. I, I think there are a lot of people that that really destroyed their credit. And um, <laughs> so going back to like, it's your senior year, you're deciding not to go the college route. What were some of the feelings that you had at the time? Did you feel supported in making that decision from school, from family? How did you feel comfortable with that decision? I'll say that I felt comfortable with it because my my parents were were totally okay with it. We knew, we knew, yeah, I knew and they knew that I didn't know what I, I didn't have a clue what I wanted to do. And I, I didn't feel comfortable going just to go. Um, the hesitations that you that you're talking about, yeah, they were there, but they weren't there for the right reasons. They were there because I think I felt like maybe I was missing out on something on the on the experience, yeah, that I knew others were going and friends were going to. but that that experience in my mind was were the reasons why I probably shouldn't have gone because that I'm thinking of the partying and all the reasons that were just gonna get me in trouble if I wasn't dedicated to being down there for the right reasons. And I wouldn't have been, I know I wouldn't have been the school. I don't, I, the school didn't give me like a guidance counselor. I didn't get any grief for it. I think they were supportive that I was going to the workforce. I remember that being a thing, you know, when you graduate, Timmy's going to IU, Ryan is joining the workforce. I mean, then they said it and they, they were supportive of it. So yeah, I was, supported in that I think from all avenues and I didn't feel any pressure to go to college oh good okay I didn't um I know a lot of people probably do and and you're right that is unfortunate because I I do feel it has become a you have to go to college you to succeed in life you have to go to college and that's just not true I have so many friends that that learned a trade and are doing very very well and a lot of people that that went to college and and aren't doing nearly as well it really depends on who you are, what you want to do, but definitely don't feel like you have to go to college because that's what everyone else is doing. That's what someone tells you you have to do because there are a lot of other avenues out there that if you learn a skill, you know, get good at whatever you, it is you want to do, you have a good attitude and it's there's a lot of other things that are important that can get you where you want to go and get you where you want to go without crippling debt, <laughs> as you mentioned. <laughs> I think what's in really important for, and I think you're an example of, is 
you know, there, there's going to be kids who are in high school who are kind of running into that same dilemma that you were, where it's like, college doesn't seem like it's for me. The only reason why I want to go is just so that I can go and party and hang out with friends. But I think you're also an example of how somebody can choose a different route and make it really work for them and really thrive. Well, thank you. I, I, I don't know if, I mean, I've bounced around with some, with job to job, which isn't, isn't ideal. I mean, I, any advice I would give somebody that it would be to get into something that maybe they would stick with, which I haven't done, which I wish I would have. I wish I would have found something that I could have stuck with a little better. Okay. I still at 33 now. I still don't know what that would be though, but I, yeah, it, it's things have things have I, I've I've been very fortunate to that things have worked out well uh, for me. I, I don't regret not going to college one bit. I I don't not one bit. Do I wish I would have found a job at eighteen or twenty and now be in the thirteenth year of it? Yes, but but even people who've gone to college, they've had five, six, seven jobs since they've graduated. True. I feel like almost the. I feel like it's almost unheard of now for somebody to last, even twenty years at the same company. Like. Yeah, that's true. That is very true. Um, but so I'm, I, I have I have no regrets about not going to college, and I, I I would say to someone that really doesn't feel like their their hearts in it, or they really don't know what to go for, to to explore every other option. And to not feel any shame about not going to college, like you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. No, what you're supposed to be doing is what works for you. And what works for you may not be what works for everybody else. That's that's why we're all different. I love that. (laughs) Okay, I just have one more question. And that question is, what life do you dream of waking up to one day? I would have to say... I would say a life where my future wife and I, you know, we have our family, our kids, our dog. We are madly in love, financially secure, which is huge. We still have some loans to pay off. Once those are gone, that's going to be the greatest day ever. Yeah, I mean, that, that would be, that's, that's all I want is, is my life with her, where we're going together, our journey together. That's all I want. That that's I'm living my dream. Aww, okay. I love that. Are there any like charity organizations or community outreach programs that you would want us to plug? One that just comes off the top of my head would be just the local dog shelter here where we got our dog from. Okay, it's, I love that. It, it is called Lakeshore Paws here in Valparaiso, Indiana. They do such an awesome job. I follow them on Facebook. They do such an amazing job with with all their dogs, with taking care of them. They do fosters. They do a lot of veterinary work for their dogs. They take donations from whoever can give whatever they want as far as, I mean, they don't just just take money. I mean, they'll still put on there that they can accept blankets at this time or anything for the dogs. And they're they're really a great organization. Yep. Lakeshore Paws. After diving into Ryan's story and uncovering his journey a little bit, why don't we start by talking about the value of education and 
the difference between valuing education and valuing schooling. Do you think those two things are different? Absolutely. So there is a like a Mark Twain quote that goes around quite a bit. I see it all the time where he says, I've never let my schooling interfere with my education. And I think there's almost far too much emphasis placed on formal schooling and not placed on education. So schooling being going sort of the formal route of sitting in the classroom, getting a degree and going to sort of a a brick and mortar or even, I guess, now during the age of COVID online schooling as well. But not allowing that to to take away from just the experiences that you gain through life that are educational. And like with Ryan, with him pursuing a career straight into the workforce, he is going out seeking knowledge that's going to sort of help shape the life that he's wanting to live and not necessarily going this route of schooling that may not have served him well. So so what about what about you, Sarah? Our high school experience was was very pro schooling where whereas the workforce like offers many opportunities to learn and gain experiences. Like do you feel that we were like maybe cheated out of all the options available to us? Yes and no to a degree. So just going to give a little background into our school system, I would say. I think we were like a C or D school. Like we weren't like a high level, well-funded school per se in Northwest Indiana, but we did have a lot of programs that were available to students. I would say it was just difficult to access those programs if you weren't sort of geared toward them in a way. For example, we had a shop class We had like an auto body class. We had like a full on garage in our high school where kids could like learn how to repair cars. We had a metal shop class. We had woods class. There are a lot of things that were available to us that geared towards the trades. But I think those were actually and unfortunately like stereotypically pointed at people that I think guidance counselors or maybe other teachers didn't see a path for particular students to go to college. So I think suggestions might have been provided to them to, you know, why don't you try these other classes? Whereas for us, we we chose more artistic paths, like both of us were in orchestra, as we've mentioned before, and we could take other electives like ceramics class that was available. There was a photography class, which I didn't take. I don't know what other electives you took besides orchestra, but there was actually a lot available to us in our school system. I think it just wasn't pointed in our direction and no one was talking about the value of taking those classes. It was like, oh, you're just doing that to like get an A or you're just lazy or you don't want to, like you're not good at, STEM, you know, you're not good at science, technology, engineering, and math. I think that that points to what we're talking about here with the difference between schooling and education is that there was this sense that education is just what you learn in a classroom sitting down staring at a whiteboard, wherein it really is this wide range of things that includes 
knowledge of the trades and definitely things that weren't available to us, like financial education and financial tips and tricks. Like we didn't learn that shit at all in school. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that both set us up for a disadvantage. I, I completely agree. The options were there. The only ways guidance counselors were directing us towards certain classes was just based on our record in the standard, like, quote unquote, core classes, such as math, English, science, and social studies as well. I mean, since both of us were in in honors classes, that we were almost siloed into you are going to college, like college route is for you. Mm-hmm. Whereas I don't necessarily think that if I had gone to my cu- guidance counselor and said like, hey, I want to take auto shop, I would bet that they would try and steer me away from that. 100%. That would have absolutely happened. I think that classism, I think elitism, it starts with our high school our high school schedules and how we build our schedules and how our guidance counselors are directing us to build those schedules. Mm-hmm. Like... I I remember in high school, like, not going to college was not an option for me. Like, I was going to college. And I feel like even going to community colleges or even just community branches of the bigger colleges was almost frowned upon as well. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember there were several students who, you know, they were in all of the top classes, like, the top like honors classes in our high school and they almost were trying to justify the reason why they were going to the local Purdue campus or the local IU campus as opposed to going to the main university and you know looking back on that like they made the right decision because (laughs) they really did yeah their degree still says Purdue University it still says Indiana University except they don't have near as much debt as everyone who went to the larger campuses. Yeah, I, I I do feel a little bit cheated in that, like, we had to go that route. I was not even allowed to really think about not going to college immediately after. And I really, I really wish I had taken a year off and taken a gap year or a gap two years or really a gap for as long as it takes for me to realize, like, where my skill set is, what am I wanting to contribute and what route truly gels well with who I am and my personality? Because I think by going to college and having all of these options is not good for me <laughs> at all. Yeah. Would you be willing to dive into that a little bit? So, you know, you there was this expectation for you to go to college and like you you had a lot of experiences and it wasn't a straight shot for you whatsoever. No, you know, and I think that's what people think it is. This is what we're sold. You try to get your best grades that you can in high school so you can go to the most prestigious university that you can get into. And then you choose a career, you take the classes for that career, and then you graduate and you go into that career. That's what we're told and sold. And that was definitely not your experience. So I'm wondering if you would be willing to dive into that a little bit and taking Ryan's decision to not go to college into account. I mean, you've already said you wish you would have taken a year off, but what do you think that year or two or three would have 
would have offered you versus what experiences you had jumping right into college? So similar to Ryan, I did not know if I would be successful in college. And I knew that my senior year, I don't want to say I was burnt out from high school because I, I definitely didn't feel that, but I didn't feel a strong pool to go to college. I knew it was an ex- expectation that people had of me and I'm a people pleaser. And so I'm like, yeah, that's, that's exactly what I want when it really truly wasn't. I couldn't figure out what I even wanted to do in college. Like I wasn't sure what I wanted to do as a major. I applied only to Indiana University. I got in and then I was just kind of like, all right, I did that. Now I guess I'm going to college. Like even when my parents dropped me off, I was just kind of like, what am I doing here? I remember just feeling like, what, what is even going on? And like, this <laughs> doesn't feel like every part of me, it did not feel right for me at all to be at IU. And I, I think I would have gotten that same feeling if I was, if I was at any other college or university, I think I just wasn't ready. Maturity wise, I wasn't ready. I, I definitely did know the financial undertaking. And I was just so easily distracted that I really think I would have benefited from joining the workforce, figuring out what it is that I was wanting to pursue and just being a little bit more focused on that chosen career path. So going back to the conversation about education versus schooling, do you think that like, let's say you did take a year, a few years off to to really explore the workforce and to figure out where your career interests really fell or lied, lied, fell, lied. I don't know. (laughs) 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 So let's say you did that. Do you think you still would have pursued a college education or maybe a better question to ask is like where you have found yourself now? Do you think that your college education really provided the value that you put into it? That is a very hard question to answer. Like, yes, it it worked out. Like, I I really love my job. I feel valued at my job. And I am really excited about this career path. And if I had taken a couple years off before college, would I end up where I am now? No, of course not. Like, I'm, I'm pretty confident that I probably wouldn't have pursued this career. If I had taken a couple years off, I think I would have just valued money a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in America, our tuition is outrageous. Mm-hmm. And having an 18-year-old go straight into college without knowing the, the level of debt, like crippling debt that they're putting themselves in, is a huge disservice to our generation. It's fucking cruel. Yeah, it's so cruel. And that's why, like, I'm I'm frustrated that there wasn't any sort of, like, financial planning class in high school. And I I think if I had taken a year or two off, I think I would have valued money a little bit more and, and time. And I think valuing the money that I'm creating... And the time that I have would have hopefully pushed me to not explore all of these weird temporary interests that I had. I would hope that I would start to figure out what it is that I was wanting to contribute. 
And I don't think that I was able to do that just going straight into college. Yeah, it sounds like, you know, going back to Ryan's experience, he had somehow, (laughs) somehow, maybe it was being raised by his grandparents, you know, that little like that little nugget of just like old conservatism that just got, you know, placed in his mind at a young age. But he had the foresight to know that college would be bad, like a bad experience for him financially and just experience wise in general, because he knew that he would get sucked into the party life and he would get distracted. And he had the foresight to understand that he didn't have the focus or pointed career interest to navigate college successfully. And was able to avoid going down that path altogether. But he also stayed living with his parents for a while and was able to grow wealth. So putting it back on you a little bit, do you think that if you had taken some time off and joined the workforce and just, you know, had that little bit of exploration time before you were just like dropped off in this unknown experience, Do you think you could have stayed living with your parents and been able to save in the way that Ryan was able to save because he didn't have too troublesome of a home life? Yeah, I I think my parents, I don't think they would have been disappointed per se, but I think that they, I mean, my parents, they're helicopter parents, so (laughs) they want to be a part of every element of my life, which I love them to death, but man, is that just a little overwhelming, a little much. But I think if I had stayed home, I don't think my parents would have allowed me to slack off. It would it would be a gap year, but it's kind of like a, they would want me to use it as like, okay, well, what are you going to learn during this time? What are your goals during this time? My parents are, are big into setting goals. They would have us write goals out every single year and revisit. Now them. I know where this comes from. Yep. <laughs> yep. 100%. Uh, and so they wouldn't they wouldn't let me use that year as just sort of a throwaway year they would want to make sure like okay if you're not going to go to college how are you going to keep your brain stimulated how are you going to develop skills that are going to help you in the long run and if I had the foresight to say, like, I'm using this year to understand money better, like, I know my dad 100% would assist me with that. And it's like, okay, well, let's sit down. Let's make a budget. Let's look into jobs that are somewhat aligned with your interests so that you can sort of get an in somewhere. My parents would have been a great source by which to do that. But I think it would it would take some convincing for both of them to be on board with something like that. They wouldn't want me to pass on going to college if I didn't have some sort of plan in place. You know, they both went on to get master's degrees. So they are very much pro-schooling. If I had the words by which to communicate how I was feeling at the time, I I like to believe that my parents would have listened to that and they would have assisted me in the ways in which they could. Yeah, I think so. 100%. Your parents uh, are awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I it would have been hard, right? Like 
there yeah. is sort of like this emotional toll of watching all of your friends go off to college, living on their own, having all of these new experiences, having their world open up because they're no longer in their hometown, right? Even if they just yeah. went to a different part of the state, it's still, you're you're meeting different people. And if you went to a bigger university, you're also meeting people from all over the world. And yeah. I definitely would have experienced some FOMO and would have felt like, oh, well, I'm not, I, I feel behind. Right. But like, to yeah. be honest, I went to college, fell on my face a whole bunch, stumbled into random jobs and eventually got to where I am right now. And I still feel very behind. So it's like, I kind of wish, yeah, if I, if I could go back and talk to 18 year old Kristen, it's like, all right, you need to start having these conversations now with yourself, with your parents. You need to start telling your guidance counselors, like, look, this does not feel like for me. But at the time I was people pleasing and I wanted to be what people wanted me to be. So, okay, let me dive into and give our listeners a little bit of background about my college experience. So an abridged version of my college experience would be me pretty much going to school on scholarship. And uh, I initially wanted to pursue a career in medicine. I switched majors a couple of times in that realm. I then did terribly and came back home and went to Northwest Indiana for a period of time just to boost my GPA back up. And then transferred back down to Indiana University in order to get into their Jacobs School of Music. And after a year at IU, I got into the Jacobs School of Music, was pursuing a degree in music education, and I just full-on fell on my face. It was not a good experience for me. I think at that time, I was experiencing burnout from school. I was so tired of, like, reaching for this goal that seemed to just keep getting pushed back further and further. And so I did terribly. I didn't want to go to class. I didn't like the culture of the music school. It's just, it just felt very pretentious to me and and not that everyone that I experienced was this sort of pretentious, uptight person. It just wasn't for me. And when I wasn't successful in the music school, it's like, well, now what? I was very like lost at that point. I was hanging out with just like the wrong crowd. And I think that crowd was in line with who I was at the time, to be honest. I, I essentially fell into the trap that Ryan had the foresight to, to avoid. I was going to parties. I was I was avoiding classes. I wasn't focused on my studies. And so that all of those decisions just really started to take a toll on my mental health. And it's it's funny that like one of the first jobs that I had after I decided to stop going to school for a period of time was to actually work in a mental health facility. And so I I worked in a couple of different mental health facilities and I landed on one that I really, really loved. And from there, that got me back interested in healthcare, but from a different point. I decided to pursue a career in nursing and I left Bloomington, Indiana, moved back home with my parents. And that that was a struggle, right? Like I made all these bad decisions while I was down in Bloomington. So it was a lot of rebuilding a relationship with them. And, but again, 
welcomed me home with open arms. And now my education was is just on me, right? I didn't have the financial support of my parents to help me go through school. It's not fair for them to to continue to pay for school when I'm just constantly falling on my face. And so while working in Northwest Indiana, I got a job just working in the revenue side of a hospital. I was essentially a filer for the health information management department. And then while I was doing that, I was going back to school for nursing, but nursing didn't even seem right to me. At this point, I'm, you know, I'm 27, 28, and I just wanted to get my life started. I just felt like I was constantly putting off my life for the sake of getting a degree. And so I just, I decided to not pursue nursing and decided to just, let's just finish my degree. Let's just finish a bachelor's degree and just see where this life takes you. You know, what's, what's, it's really funny. Like me and my parents were laughing about this, but right when I graduated with my general studies degree from Northwest Indiana, I immediately had an interview for a higher paid job the very next day. And the day after I got the job, and so, like, we would joke around and say, like, oh, you got a job right out of college. And I'm just like, yeah, but I'm also, like, 29 at this point. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just, like, ridiculous. But, um, like, I, it worked out for me that sort of higher education was, like, I was still wanting to pursue it. But as, like, the time went on, I was pursuing it for me and pursuing mm-hmm. it for a life that I wanted to live as opposed to trying to as, as opposed to trying to like make my parents happy in any way. Yeah. Like they are happy that I graduated. Absolutely. But like, I've even, I've talked to them about like possibly going back to school and they're just like, you don't have to do that right now. <laughs> like they, they're not trying to like pressure me into like getting a master's degree like they have. But, um, but yeah, that, that's my, that was my experience with school. And it was all over the place. (laughs) It was, but I think that is really helpful for other people to hear and understand because, I mean, you are a very smart person. You're very organized. You're very, you know, we talked about this. We've talked about this many times. Like you love setting goals. And I think just recounting your story, you just found yourself in a place that had too many options, was unfamiliar there were a lot of negative influences in your life and being a people pleaser that didn't quite work out too well for you. But then eventually you did find your way. And I think one thing to, to learn from is just like understanding what the paths could be and trying to have a sense as much as possible before diving into something that you're unsure of. Going back to Ryan, you know, like he, again, somehow miraculously just like knew it would be a bad idea for him. You had an inkling that you weren't quite ready, but still went went for it anyway. It's just like having those different paths and those different journeys being laid out in front of you to understand, you know, if you're unsure about something or if you know what distracts you, then that can help guide you towards maybe a slightly different path than what certain pressures might be pushing you towards in your life, but it's probably going to be a little bit 
better for you to avoid certain things that distract you from finding success mm-hmm. in in a in a more straight path um, yeah, no i i mean i completely agree with you that like like you said who's to say if i had taken a couple gap years between high school and higher education that i would have been successful in any way like like i don't know who like my friends would have been had i done that most of my friends went away to school so like of course i would have stayed in contact with them but like who's to say like what friends groups i would would have been in like i feel like my 20s has been a lot of just like responding to negative feedback and just like negative experiences and just bad experiences that like you know i've learned right i'm a slow learner apparently it took me (laughs) 12 years to get my degree but like it took me time to learn but i did learn i'm a slow learner but i eventually do learn lady of the north game of thrones Mm -hmm. and luckily in the past you know two years and going into my 30s like it's going to be like my life is going to be far more like navigated by positive feedback and positive experiences that I've set up for myself as opposed to trying to please everyone and finding myself down this very dark and scary path Okay, so Sarah, one of the elements that Brian brought up was some advice that his grandparents gave him was that all you have is your name. Yeah, the the only thing you own is your name. Yeah, the only thing you own is your name. So how, like, what is your response to hearing that? And do you think it's true? So right off the bat, I think both of us are like, yes, yes. That is true. Like when you take everything away that can be, you know, when you just like imagine like in your mind, just like push everything out of your life and like get rid of your job, get rid of your things, get rid of your friends. Who are you and what do you have? And that's your name to a degree. But then I think about that a little bit deeper and just from like a stupid, (laughs) stupid story. So I have three names. (laughs) right now one is sarah one is sky because that's my initials and when there are too many sarahs in a room it's helpful to have a nickname and apparently sally is a fucking nickname for sarah but stupid fucking yeah i yeah apparently that's a nickname for sarah heard that don't know if it's true but i knew a sally her name was sarah she was a great sally like if someone's gonna be a sally it's gonna be this chick (laughs) but I'm not a fucking Sally, okay? <laughs> no, you're definitely not a Sally. Okay, so my my second nickname is Sky because that's my initials. It's what it spells. And then my third nickname at this point has become Cat because I was on a dating app. And just, I mean, even though it was my face, I was like sort of trying to avoid coming across people from work knowing right off the bat that it was me. And so I put the pseudonym Cat. That's like a shortening for my middle name. And uh, now my boyfriend calls me Cat because that's how I, the name I met him with. And he told all his friends that my name is Cat. So whenever I meet them and they meet my friends, they're like, oh, so Cat, blah, blah, blah. And then my friends are like, who the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and to be honest, like I got to this point of like, what even 
is my name, does that matter? Like if my actual name is on anything, does that matter? To some people, I think it does. But for me and for the place that I am in life, I think what matters is people knowing me who I am, regardless of what my name is. And I think I'm able to feel that way because I have so many wonderful people in my life like you who know me to my the deepest depths of my soul. And you don't need to know my name to know who I am. And so I think there's like a just another level of of saying that where it's like there's this aspect of the only thing you own is your name in the sense that you are putting this image out to other people in the world and needing them to respect that. And for me, I don't think I need that as long as I have these people in my life like you who who know me, who know my heart and who respect me in that way. I don't need anyone else knowing me or knowing my heart because I already have enough. Mm-hmm. And then also <laughs> just as sort of like a contemporary note, like right now, you know, fuck Karen's like the, you know, the, the metaphor that is Karen, but also sorry to all the wonderful Karens <laughs> that exist in the world. <laughs> You know, um, so how do you feel about the piece of advice that Ryan's grandparents shared with him? I, I think I'm more like I 100% agree with it. And I think it is, it is sort of the way that I've operated is that I am hyper aware and hypersensitive to how other people perceive me. Now, mind you, it, it has been a disservice to me because that alongside my people pleasing nature like that you know it hasn't lent itself well but to me I I always thought it was so strange when people are just like oh your reputation doesn't matter and it's like no your reputation really can be everything and how you present yourself to people how you engage with them how they leave how like the way you make them feel and how they feel leaving interacting with you. It's very important. And especially in the workforce, because people talk and especially like with Ryan um, going straight into the workforce, his references and the experience that he gained at his different work sites, that's all going to play into how he is perceived with future employers. And like, yes, I, I, I agreed with you to the standpoint of like, when it comes to like my friends and how they perceive me, they know me better than anyone else. But in terms of like professional life, like I absolutely think that you need to make sure that you are cultivating a good reputation. And sometimes it's out of your hands, but you can always make steps to kind of course correct it. That's true. So, so yeah, I, to bring it back to, to race, like I, I think, you know, for for black people and for minorities, a lot of times they do feel this pressure to appear agreeable, to go above and beyond in order to be recognized at the same level that their white co- counterparts are recognized. And like being able to cultivate a good reputation and not having anything tarnish your reputation is is sort of a way to try and prevent people from discrediting you and it's like well if you have this strong resume 
and all of these strong references, like somebody turning you down because you're black or because you're a minority. It's like, yeah, we can point that that's probably the reason why that happened. Mm -hmm. It's like not giving anyone a reason to doubt your abilities. And so I know like reputation is extremely important in minority communities. I know it has been in, in my life and has been in, like with my parents as well. It's just you need to form strong connections. If not, you're going to develop a reputation where no one's going to want to work with you. So, Sarah, how do you plan on waking up differently tomorrow after listening to Ryan's interview? So even though we were talking about this, the only thing you own is your name thing and had slightly different perspectives, but like ultimately agree. I think that's just an important thing to remember and, you know, putting it back in the context of friends. I feel like I'm in a place where like thinking about my name and my reputation and, you know, feeling like all I need is my friends to know my heart. My name also represents the people that I care about and is, has a connection with those people. And so I think just taking that piece of advice to heart and really reflecting on how I am putting myself out into the world in the best way to not just, you know, represent myself in a good light for me, but to represent myself in a good light for the people that I care most about. I think that is, is definitely a takeaway. Like his grandparents piece of advice is just like, Hey, I could have used that my whole life (laughs) to be honest. But yeah, I think, I think that's what I'm going to take away from this as well as like he, he gave some, you know, sound, simple financial saving advice that I'm still working on. I feel like I wrapped my brain around some things that he was suggesting, but you know, right now I am, I would say just enjoying life because of the current state of things. And I'm not exactly thinking about, how to best set myself up for the future at the age of 31. So I probably need to start focusing on that a little bit more. What about you, Kristen? How will you wake up differently tomorrow? I think I'll wake up differently by not placing so much emphasis on formal education. I I think I also fall into the, into the habit of projecting this idea that or holding formal schooling on a pedestal and not considering how much life experience has gone into shaping even who I am today. So that's one thing that I'm going to take away. Again, a lot of the financial advice, the whole time I was interviewing him, I was just kind of like, yeah, I kind of wish I had talked to you back when I was in high school so that I could have at least made some of those similar choices in my life. But yeah, I also when he made that point about all you have really is your name. That I think is really going to stick with me and not that it necessarily provided additional advice, but definitely helped put to words how I've been feeling a lot when it comes to reputation and just treating people in general and just being a, a decent human. And yeah, that's how I'll wake up differently. All I have is Ryan talks about his grandma being huge because he was like, my grandma was huge. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, how huge? Like, she's just like an 8,000 pound woman 
like at the age of 90 like that's amazing that she got that far probably i don't know that's rude it was just funny the way he emphasized it because like, yeah. my grandma was huge <laughs> Join us every other week for new episodes and insights. In the meantime, check out our blog or contribute to support our mission at liveinthemomentum.com. Special thanks to Eric Heibretter for our theme song and audio production. If you feel like you have a story to share, reach us at info at liveinthemomentum.com.